says this meeting is being recorded, okay. Um, yeah, so, um, okay, I just see now it says uh, 1893, Kalyana Kalpa for some reason, or for no reason, I was thinking this is earlier. But 1893 is the year, that's a big year for Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He was very productive. At that time, he was writing lots of songs, didactic songs, songs for teaching. His idea seems to have been that uh, best way to communicate the philosophy, the culture of Krishna consciousness is through songs, uh, through simple, simple Bengali. Although I have often said quite highly Sanskritized Bengali. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's. Uh, there's two Bengali languages, actually. <laughs> There's Cholit Bhasa, uh, and what is the high Bengali called? Sugopi, remind us. Shadhu Bhasa. Shadhu Bhasa, yes. Uh, <laughs> Sadhu Bhasa and Cholit Bhasa. So Bhaktinodakwa wrote very much Sadhu Bhasa, Bangla. Um, and he, he was a very systematic teacher, we can see from all these songs. We have just finished um, over how many months we went through the entire collection of Sharanagati, and we could see how Bhaktivinoda Thakur was systematic there um, with... Um, Songs divided into sections according to the six principles of Sharanagati, mm. followed by his songs of uh, Lalasa, of longing mm. for Siddha Lalasa, for perfection, uh, Bhajana Lalasa, Siddha Lalasa, <laughs> longing for worship, longing for perfection each one progressing uh, from, we might say, the outer surface uh, into the core, from the um, beginning stages to the always going deeper, or we may say also higher. Um, and I think this is what we can expect here as well in the Upadesh, sorry, the Kalyana. Kalpataru, the uh, wish, the auspicious wish fulfilling tree, Kalyana, Kalpataru. Uh, a quick glance through the list, I believe we have uh, 61 or 62 songs coming up. And if we do as we have been doing, one song a week. That's going to take us more than a year. 
So Krishna willing, we may get through these and uh, yeah, we don't want to just get through them. We want to relish them. Uh, the first, uh, let's see, after one Sanskrit vandanam, everything else is in Bangla, Bengali. Mm. Uh, Mangala Charana, and then Upadesha introduction. And then we have 19 Upadesha songs in that section. Uh, and then comes Anatupa Lakshana Upalabdi. Five songs. Nirveda Lakshana Upalabdi, five songs. Sambanda Abhideya Prayojana Vijnana, <laughs> four songs. Uh, Prartana Dhanyamayi, five songs. And then Prartana Lalasamayi, 12 songs. Vigyapti, four songs. Uchvasa Kirtana, two songs. Uh -huh. Uchvasa Kirtan, Rupa Kirtan, oh, Uchvasa Kirtan, Nama Kirtan songs, two, and then one, uh, Uchvasa Kirtan, Rupa Kirtan, so singing about the form of the Lord. Uchvasa Kirtan, Uchvasa means loud Kirtan, Guna Kirtan, two songs, Uchvasa Kirtan, Lila Kirtan. So Nama, Rupa, Guna, and Lila. Uh, and finally, Uchvasa Kirtan, Rasa Kirtan. Nama, Rupa, Guna, Lila, and Rasa in that order. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> let's see, we have eight verses in Sanskrit and Maybe I won't this time um, attempt to go through all of it with the Sanskrit English, but let's start with the English. Uh, first verse is <clears throat> those profound meditation on the purport of great statements like tattvamasi, etc., and who have attained unity with the bliss of merging into the Brahman effulgence, themselves find that such so-called bliss is put to shame before the completely ecstatic spiritual relationship between the taster and tasted mellows. I offer my respectful obeisance unto that most astonishing abode of such totally blissful mellows, the very moon over Vrindavan, Sri Krishna, who is the delightful festival of Sri Radhika's eyes. Uh, maybe I should explain for some of you. This word mellow is 
I think it was first used by um, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur as a translation for the word rasa. So it's, um, it's slightly archaic English. Uh, we usually think of mellow as being the opposite of sharp. Um, it can mean something like soft, mellow. Um, but yeah, here it's, let's just remember it, it means rasa, the uh, aesthetic taste of a relationship, of a devotional relationship. Um, Vande Vrinda, Vrinda, Vrindatavi Chandra, Chandram Radhikakshi Mahotsavam, Brahmat Mananda, Dikkari Purnananda Rasalayam. You see the contrast between the number of words in this translation and the number of words in the Sanskrit. Sanskrit's a very compact language. And the, the translation is, you can say, giving some purport also. Uh, then, second verse, Chaitanya Charanam Vande Krishnabhakta Janashayam Advaita Matador Daureya Barapan Odanam Param. I offer respectful obeisance unto the lotus feet of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which are the only shelter for all of the greatly fortunate devotees of Lord Krishna. His lotus feet cast out to a distant place the unbearable burden of the doctrine of undifferentiated monism as it was propounded by Sripad Shankaracharya. <laughs> I offer my respectful obeisance unto the lotus feet of my most worshipable Gurudeva, who is the personified form of blissful Krishna consciousness just to increase his transcendental happiness i will compose the book known as kalyana kalpataru so he's dedicating to his spiritual master gurum vande mahabhagam krishnananda swarupakam yanmude rachayishyami so this is the the verb Rachayishyami, I will compose or I will write Kalyana Kalpa Pada Pada Kalyana Kalpa Padapam. And then we have a long translation for the next verse. The aggregate of the following 24 elements I called Prakriti. Okay, we get the whole list. Five gross elements, five objects of senses, five working senses, five knowledge acquiring senses, mind, intelligence, ego, and mahatattva. The truth that is above and beyond all these is called transcendental truth. That truth 
although being the original reservoir of all blissful spiritual mellows is not appreciated by all persons. Indeed, those who have not developed unalloyed love and attachment to this transcendental truth will not read this book, which is just like a small jewel box for guarding the most confidential gems of ecstatic love. Thus, they simply remain attached to meditating on material bodily happiness, becoming completely submerged and drowned in the insignificant ocean of lust. So that's a very polemical verse. Aprakrita rasanandena yasya kevala rati tasyedam na samalochya. Samalochya, they will not see. Um, pustakam prema samputam. Samputam means a, a box, a small box. Prema samputam. There's a, uh, a book, Prema Samputa. Um, who is that by? Uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, I guess. Um. In the abode of Vaikuntha, within the forest of ultimate good, hmm. there is one special wish-fulfilling desire tree of supreme auspiciousness, conspicuously present among all the others. Huh, that's a funny translation because in English we have the expression um, conspicuously uh, there by its absence. When something that, or someone uh, that is suddenly absent, uh, then we say conspicuously absent. <clears throat> this tree is divided into three principal branches known as Upadesha, spiritual advice, upalabdhi, attainment of realization, and uchvasa, overflowing spiritual emotions, which increase the joy of all persons who are actually wise. Tasya skandatrayam shudham vartate vidusham mude. Upadeshaha tata cho palabdishtachvasaka kila. And then he's listing those three. Number seven, the shelter of this special desire tree produces the attainment of fruits in the form of auspiciousness. Kalyana palam, labate palam. This means eternal servitude to the performance of Shishi Radha Krishna's pastimes in the realm of the transcendental forest named Vrindavan, within the innermost secret abode 
Vaikuntha. Radha Krishna Vilase Sudha Sudasyam Vrindave Vrindavane Vane. And finally, I now humbly perform the chanting of all the songs which are sheltered under the mood of Raja just to worship all of Lord Krishna's jiva souls. This includes all the Vaishnava residents of Vrajadam, Kshetradam, and Navadvipdam, as well as all the Brahmins who are beyond fruit of activities and speculative knowledge, as well as all the souls from Lord Brahma down to the untouchable outcasts and dogs. <laughs> it's including pretty much everyone. Sampujya, Vaishnavan, Vipran, Sarva Jivanscha, Nityasa, Kirtayami. Uh, I praise, I glorify Vinitaha, Aham, Gitam, Raja Rasa. Ashritam. Okay, we have uh, the song <clears throat> as, uh, as it is in this KK songs org. It's um, without diacritic marks, so not always clear. Okay, let's see what we have. If we put it to melody. Today we have a different harmonium, <clears throat> which has come back from repair. Uh, let's see. Vande. Vrindattavichandram Radhikakshimahotsavam Brahmatmananda Dikkari Purnananda Rasalayam Vande Vrindavati Chandram Radhikakshimahotsavam Brahmatmananda Brahmatmananda No? Brahmatmananda Dikkari Purnananda Rasalayam Chaitanya Charanam Bande Krishna Bhakta Janachayam Advaita Mata Dhoreya Varapan Bodhanam Param Chaitanya Charanam Bande Krishna Bhakta Jana Shayam Advaita Matadoreya 
gives us an auspicious Kalyana beginning to our new songbook project, Kalyana Kalpataru of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Kalyana Srila uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur Ki Chai. So um, I didn't do as I usually do in the beginning, which is to offer pran pranati. So I'll do that now. 
Omagyana timirandasya kananjana shalakaya chakshudun militam yena tasmai shri gurave nama shri chaitanya manovishtam stapitam yena bhutale svayam vakaramahyam dadati svapadantikam vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raghunatan Itam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakhanditamscha Nama Om Vishupadaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamini Namaste Sarasvati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatanine Vanchakalpatru Vacha Patitanam Pavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Nama He Krishna Karana Sindhu Dinabandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadha Shri Vasadi Gauravakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So again, welcome to everyone, all of you. So nice you can take this time. We all have so many things to do. Uh, and to take this time is... Uh, it's an honor for me that we can come together in this way and do some Krishna Kata, Hari Kata, Vaishnava Kata, and uh, all such related things. <clears throat> so um, today we have... Um, we have Kula Shekar with us, whom we I haven't seen for many moons. And uh, it's nice to see you. And I believe you want to tell us about your research in Mahabharata. Is that right? Let me first explain that Kula Shekar Prabhu has been uh, a, a student at University of Warsaw. Um, which year did you start going back to school? 
Uh, you have quite to... a long time ago, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Some years ago. Yeah. And uh, now you've gone through all of the hoops, so to say. Uh, you've uh, completed your doctorate. When did you complete your degree? Like three years ago. Three years ago. Okay. Yeah. And since then, you're still associated with the university and doing... Somehow or other, doing some research and some other works. Yeah. So, yeah. As, as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so please go ahead, tell us what you, you've been doing. Okay, thank you, Maharaj, for inviting me, and I'm really happy to be with you today, and Hare Krishna to everybody. So I was asked to present the Polish uh, translation project of the Mahabharata, and maybe I uh, will concentrate today on, on this topic. Uh, so to do this, I have to share my screen. I think I am allowed to do this. Okay. Can everybody see it? <clears throat> yes. 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 So Polish translation project of the Mahabharata. A few years ago, we received some funds from the Polish Ministry of Science and Higher Education to translate the Mahabharata into Polish uh, language. So I'm involved in this pro uh, project for like uh, four years already. We're supposed to finish uh, this project in this year, but we prolonged this extending over like one year. So the project should be finished in next year. 2020-2022. There is a quite uh, big group uh, researcher involved in the project. Here we have the name of them. So the project manager is uh, Joanna Jurewicz, the professor of uh, Warsaw University. There is also Anna Trynkowska, Monika Nowakowska from the Warsaw University and Przemek Szczurek, director of the uh, uh, Wrocław University, and also I am involved in uh, in the project, and we have also one uh, uh, supervisor, IT supervisor from um, Wrocław and Berlin University, Sven Selmer. He's helping us with uh, all the IT stuff and our website. Mm. Uh, what is the aim, aim, aim of this project? So we want to translate the battle books of the Mahabharata. Everybody, we know that uh, Mahabharata is quite vast uh, piece of literature. So it was not possible for us to translate all of the text. So we decided to choose uh, the battle books uh, of uh, text. It is one third of the text. So it is uh, 23,000 of shlokas from the 75,000 of shlokas of the whole critical edition, because our translation is based on a critical edition. <clears throat> uh, the goal of translation is to publish in a paper a Polish translation. It uh, will be in six volumes uh, with introduction and footnotes. And also few, a few months ago, we decided that uh, we will publish 
uh, a reconstruction of the universe of the Mahabharata. It will be one extra uh, volume. We are calling this zero volume. And yeah, also we want to present all the materials uh, like an open source so everybody can have access to, to this. So we want to create a website. Uh, and uh, we change a little bit idea. It will be not a website, but such a thing like Mahabharata Viki. So I want to tell you uh, in a few minutes about uh, this. Um, uh, here we have a translation panel, like uh, which chapter of uh, Mahabharata uh, we are going to translate into Polish. So starting from Bhishma Parvan and up to uh, Stri Parvan. So it is seven book of the Mahabharata. Uh, uh, first book is a uh, Bhishma Parvan and uh, the translator is Joanna Jurevich, but she also gave me some part of the Bhishma Parvan. Uh, so in Bhishma Parvan, as we know, we have a Bhagavad Gita. So I translated uh, this part. And also I translated uh, Jambu Kanda, Nirmana and Bhumi Kanda. It means all uh, parts of Bhishma Parvan connected to the uh, cosmologic, cosmological parts in this beginning of uh, uh, Bhishma Parvan. It, will be also uh, in mind translation. So Drona Parvan is the biggest, uh, biggest book of um, this section. So we divided it into two parts and half, first half is mine and the other half starting from the half of Jayadratha Vadha, killing of Jayadratha, uh, it will be translated by Monika Nowakowska. Anna Trenkowska will translate Karna Parvan and Przemek Szczurek tra uh, translate other books because they are quite short, uh, short one. Uh, also, there are some parts translated by me and uh, Joanna Jurewicz. Uh, for example, from the Shalia Parvan, I received this uh, very nice uh, chapters uh, concentrate on the um, uh, Balarama travel through the Sarasvati. So I can compare this to, to what we have in also Bhagavata Purana. <clears throat> okay, so um, along with the translation, we uh, 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 we create quite a lot of materials connected with the Mahabharata universe. So we decided to publish book, but also uh, create a Mahabharata Viki. Uh, so the structure of Mahabharata Viki will be the same like a structure of Wikipedia. And um, we want to um, uh, uh, to provide them all the tables and uh, sketch, graphics, maps, which can help us to imagine uh, how Mahabharata, uh, world of the Mahabharata could look uh, like. Uh, in the future, we are planning to, to um, um, 
uh, organize a group of some community around the projects to help us to develop this, similarly to uh, Wikipedia and other uh, wiki organization. Um, yeah, so this is the goal and we are starting to do this. Um, Mahabharata is not very picturesque uh, as a presentation of the text doesn't give us much information how the world around look like. Uh, so we decided to choose some uh, essential from our perspective, essential topics which can help the reader to, to imagine the world of the Mahabharata. So we uh, divided this in few topics. Uh, first of all, there are heroes of the Mahabharata, then geography and nature and world of uh, gods, we can call it like this, and militaries. Militaries are very essential for us because we are translating the battle books. So for sure, militaries, obviously, they are quite important for us. Then names. Names are also very important and uh, they can puzzle every reader of uh, Mahabharata because there is a lot of names and we have to uh, find some clue how we can understand them. And also I uh, create a family tree. So maybe shortly I will present all the topics because they are very vast and we divide them in the smaller, uh, smaller one. For example, heroes in the Mahabharatas. So we are presenting uh, two parties, Kauravas and the Pandavas. Um, on both sides, the generals and, um, and the aliens who came to each party. Uh, then characteristic of all the heroes, uh, I divided them in the three groups uh, on the base uh, of mentioned in the text. So the people who are mostly mentioned in the text, uh, they are primary heroes, then episodic heroes, which have some, um, some, uh, some, some episode uh, in the text and the background heroes, like we know them mainly with the names, but all of them we put on the list and show a little bit about every everyone. Uh, then some additional uh, information, for example, every hero of uh, on the battlefield have uh, emblems, <clears throat> like here we have a Yudhishthira, Bhima, Arjuna, Nakula and Sahadeva, they have emblems. So Yudhishthira have a drum, Merdanga, like two Merdangas playing by some sticks. And uh, I found also some uh, these motifs in the sculpture of uh, uh, of early early sculpture of India, so I show how it could look like in the reconstruction. So Bhima have a lion and Arjuna uh, app. So so we can show uh, all the heroes with the emblems and also with the color of the horses. So here we have examples of our Pandavas uh, horses. The geography. Geography it is also a very vast uh, subject. We divide it into lands, rivers, and mountains. 
and uh, we present all the uh, lands mentioned in the text, explain where they are and which hero is from which, uh, which land. And if there is mention a capital, of course, we, we add to, to this and rulers and other, uh, uh, other things, what we can say about each of the land. So to give a visual uh, help, I also create such a map of uh, mentioned in the Mahabharata. Then I divided them into bigger, bigger section like a north, uh, a west. There are uh, Bakhlika and Gandharas and Kashmiras all are uh, here. Then we have a Punjab and Sindh. So Madrakas, Trigartas, Kekeyas, Shivi, Sauviras and Sindhu, uh, they are going uh, in this uh, Indo Valley. And then Doab, so mainly Kuru, Matsya, Panchalas and the middle Ganges, starting from Magadha. And of course, uh, central uh, Central India, they are connected mostly with the Yadavas, like Vrishni's here or uh, Surashtra, uh, Anarta Kingdom and other kingdoms. <clears throat> if you want quickly to find uh, which hero came from which uh, land, we also uh, create such a, a such a map uh, to show, for example, from Panchala, we have two capitals of Panchala and to, from one is come Dropada, but Drona with Ashvatthama because Panchala was divided into two sections uh, come from other. So the, uh, blue, there are a Pandava side and uh, this gray, this is a Kaurava uh, side. And we can very quickly to find when we are reading uh, uh, Mahabharata, uh, uh, from which side is uh, person with we uh, came. Uh, okay, so also mountains. We we put the Mahabharata uh, names of from the Mahabharata mountains onto the map. So to know, of course, Vindhya is obvious, but sometimes. Uh, appear other names of uh, the uh, mountains so we can find them on the map. When we get closer to the map, then appear also the names of the rivers from the Mahabharata. Uh, so the Travati, uh, Charmanvati or Parnasya, all these names are mentioned in Mahabharata and I make some research to find them where can where we can uh, find them on the present day uh, map. And also we can see here Vidisha, Ujjaini, uh, Eka Chakra, Naimisha, Kampilia, all the names of the cities from the Mahabharata connected with uh, the regions. Nature. Nature it is another subject, another topic. Very, very broad, very often, in the Mahabharata, there are like few hundred uh, names for the flora and fauna. 
So I uh, made, made a list of them and then presented in some, some uh, diagrams. For example, with the link to the text. So when, when you read, for example, about Ashwatha, you can click on it and then find what does it mean Ashwatha. And uh, especially I put a, a effort to uh, find what does it mean in Mahabharata. Of course, and uh, in Puranic, maybe uh, vaster in Puranic literature. So, of course, the Latin name and other name in Sanskrit we have, and shape of the leaf, but also how it looked like in the Indian sculpture, because it gives us a clue what uh, the uh, people think is most important for. Uh, for such uh, for such tree. So here we have uh, from Barhut Stupa, very very quite old from the second century BC um, uh, shape of uh, uh, Ashwatha, and here from Sanchi Stupa or from Gandharas, we can see that the leaves are quite different and uh, imagination. Let's change a little bit. So flora and fauna we prepare like uh, in this uh, way. The world of the gods. We divided it into sections. Uh, one is the sacred cosmology. So uh, because before we presented uh, how the world of how India looked like in the Mahabharata time, but now we want to present how all cosmos of mythical cosmos look like in Mahabharata and then divine beings. So Gandharvas, <clears throat> Rakshasas, Apsaras, all the divine beings. Uh, we uh, not only describe them, but also want to uh, present them in sculptures. So here we have an example of Naga how nagas or serpents could look like in, in the time of uh, first and uh, second, up to second century. Uh, of course, the cosmology of uh, Mahabharata is a little different than the cosmology of the Bhagavata Purana and Puranic literature uh, have very, uh, a lot of uh, some peculiarities. Um, so when I read all the chapters connected with the cosmology, I try to uh, take them uh, out and show how Mahabharata cosmology uh, is different than uh, uh, um, Puranic literature, for example, here we have a reconstruction how the bards of the Mahabharata could see the Jambu Dvipa reflected in the moon. We have a few <laughs> examples of such a, uh, uh, such a reflection. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's a, a rabbit with uh, people leaves, so, so it could look like this. Militaries. Militaries, it is a uh, very vast also uh, subject. We organize this like a, a organization of the army, military formation, weapons and equipments. And I, uh, um, uh, I made a list of all the military words from the Mahabharata connected with weapons, equipments, and so on, and then uh, divide them on, on, on some bigger 
uh, uh, bigger um, divisions and and describe them and make some uh, also reconstruction. For example, here we have a reconstruction of the fight of Arjuna uh, with the uh, it is in, in Drona Parvan and uh, Ash, uh, son of Arjuna was killed and Arjuna want to kill Jayadratha and then uh, uh, then Drona make a very complicated formation which is quite nicely described so uh, uh, I took information from uh, from some sources uh, and try to reconstruct this formation and of course the um, uh, I'm not concentrate on this mythical uh, weapons. Uh, I made uh, like a one chapter uh, for them, but mainly I'm interested in historical uh, reconstruction, how the axe or ankus or uh, warhammer could look like. <clears throat> uh, Regarding military, I want to give you today some example of my reconstruction, so maybe we will stop here. Names, uh, I mentioned that this is also a big topic in, uh, uh, in Mahabharata, because every and each hero can have even like a hundred name. Uh, so I put effort to, to somehow or other make it clear what does it mean. I, uh, first I created like a types of names, then catalog of names and their meaning. Here we have an example of Arjuna. For, uh, so we have a lineage name connected him with uh, his dynasty, like he's called Bharata. Here can be after uh, after this can be like Bharata Shrestha or the best from Bharatas or Bharata Nandana and other of course, and Kauravya, Kaurava Kuru Paurava, Tapatya. It, it is also from so this is lineage name. There we have patronymical names connected with his fathers. So Arjuna had two fathers. One is Pandu and other is Indra. So we have names connected with Indra here and from the Pandu, uh, like Pandaveya, Pandava, and so on. Then we have uh, matronymical names from the mother and relatives names. He can be called, for example, Bhimanuja. It means the older, uh, younger brother of uh, Bhima and so on. Krishna Sarat, he and so on. Uh, so we have also a features names which describe some of the feature of Arjuna and achievement. I call this achievements name. It means uh, that Arjuna have done something and then after this he was called by name of the Hananjaya. He, uh, he uh, received the Hanam, some golds and then gave it to his brother. And yeah, um, here we have a, a reconstruction of <laughs> a family tree of uh, uh, Mahabharata, some dynasties. So I went through the parts of the Mahabharata which are connected with the families, started from Brahma and up to the Janamejaya. And uh, yeah, so some of them, are really like a, in the realm of the gods, but then 
they become like very, very uh, more connected with the Mahabharata. Uh, I presented uh, this, uh, this tree map in few, uh, a few ways. For example, if you want to find, um, uh, to find dynasties, for example, Asura dynasty, where came from uh, uh, Prakjyotisha, he's fighting on the <clears throat> side of the Kauravas. So when he came from, we have here, here we have a, a Surya dynasty and Soma dynasty and Yadavas also. Yadavas up to Krishna and uh, yeah, here we have a Krishna and Rama. And the Kauravas, this is Soma dynasty, then uh, here we have a Paurava and Kaurava line and other Magadhas, Jedis and so on. And the fathers of the dynasties are marked also on the, on the map. When you want to see who take part in the uh, um, battlefield, we can we can, uh, you can find here on the gray mark, like uh, here we have Karna, Yudhishthira, Bhima, Arjuna, and they sons, and yeah. Okay, <laughs> so this is a project, and now I would like to um, show you, maybe for a while, um, how it look my reconstruction. Uh, I prepared few topics for today, uh, but um, I think we have to concentrate on one of them because uh, uh, the material is too vast. Uh, so I have uh, four propositions and uh, you can choose one of them and I can show how my reconstruction work on. Um, we can do this by democratic vote or maybe <laughs> Maharaj, you can choose one of them which you like the best. Maybe first I explained, uh, I say a few words about each of them. And then Maharaj, if you can choose one of well, them, which is interesting I can... for you. I can say already, I would tend to be more interested in uh, the third and fourth topics related to charity. Third and fourth, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, other are also quite interesting, for example, the mace, because uh, the mace is like a national weapon of, of Mahabharata and India. After the bow, it is the second mentioned uh, um, in uh, in the Mahabharata literature, and really we don't know sometimes how it look like. And the other, for example, Hala, Chakra, Trishula, and Vajra, I, I call them like a, a, um, a, um, weapons out of use, or we can call them um, maybe mythical weapons because they are not used on the battlefield. Uh, but they are in the hands of some heroes. So who knows how the chakra really look like? <laughs> this is quite a big topic, but yes, part of the chariots and shape of the chariot standard, it is very, very important. And I think uh, we can concentrate on this. Okay, okay. Uh, so if it will be too long for you to please stop me. 
Um, how the reconstruction look like? So it is quite difficult to find on which time should be reconstruction uh, be prepared. So to solve this problem, we simply choose the, uh, some source of visual images from different period of time and then show how this such a such weapon look like in different period of time i divided them in six categories so first of all we have a military artifacts from the late harappan period uh, so uh, uh, so it is like uh, 1900 bc up to uh, um, 1300 uh, BC. Then we have artifacts from the uh, Copper Howard culture. Um, it is quite interesting. Uh, uh, interesting uh, culture. We uh, we have findings with the Copper Howard culture almost in whole India. This is a Bronze Age culture. Uh, then we have artifacts with painted grey ware culture. Uh, this culture is mostly connected with the Mahabharata because the findings are from the places where the action of Mahabharata uh, took uh, place from Indraprastha, Hastinapura and um, Panipat, all of this uh, Kaurava uh, state. And then we have uh, also relics from the Neo-Syrian uh, palaces. Why I choose them, maybe I will tell in, in the second. And really, uh, reliefs and seal from Achaemenid period. And of course, sculpture from uh, India, from Maurya and Kushana period, because uh, in India, sculpture appear very, very uh, late. We have uh, first evidences in the Maurya period. So this is uh, free. Uh, 300 uh, BC, uh, and I am interested in the period up to Kushana, Kushanas with the Kushanas because uh, up to Guptas when the edition of the Mahabharata should be already finished. Uh, okay, so the first three uh, sources of visual uh, uh, images there are quite um, how to say. Uh, we don't have them much and they appear quite primitive. So uh, Harappa civilization, it looked like more uh, pacific, uh, uh, pacifistic uh, civilization. Here I took two photos, uh, which I took uh, from Mohenjo-Daro and Harappa, and it is only two gablots in, in each museum in, in Harappa and Mohenjo-Daro. Then artifacts of uh, Copper Howard culture, little bit change the weapons which appear in the subcontinent of uh, India in that time. Uh, but we don't have really, really much uh, of them, this um, type of swords no, no, or this harpoon type of arrows head and uh, spears appear and the whole uh, for the axle, it, it was not present uh, before. Then artifacts from the painted gray where culture, it's not also, we don't have really, really much of this. Therefore, I decided to move our research and our uh, 
uh, sources uh, to the Assyrian and Achaemenid um, period and sculpture. Why? Because in the time of Achaemenid uh, period, Persian, uh, Persian, Persians have very big influence on India also through the Gandhara. Gandhara was a capital of education in that time and Taxila, uh, and it belongs to the Achaemenid, uh, Achaemenic kingdom. For example, here we have a, a sculpture from the Xerxes first tomb, and we have a Shakas and Hindus and Gandharas in the army of the, uh, the Achaemenid king. Uh, and why Neo-Assyrian um, palaces and sculpture? Because uh, Persian, uh, they fight with, uh, with Assyrian kingdoms a lot and they build their culture and sculpture and uh, um, on the basic of very influenced Neo-Assyrian uh, empire. And from Neo-Assyrian period, we have really, really a lot of very nicely curved uh, like scenes, battle scenes, because they was really big warriors. So we have uh, uh, chariots and horses and all, all the very detailed descriptions also in the cuneiform, but also in the uh, walls of the palaces, especially Nineveh, Kalhu, and Nimrud. Uh, but after this, always I want to examine what I can find in these other sources in the Indian sculpture. Uh, as I said, uh, the Indian sculpture start from Maurya period, uh, but the mostly we have a nice example of the work from like a first, uh, uh, first century BC up to uh, second century uh, uh, CE. Uh, so mainly I go through the Bharhut stupa and Sanchi stupa and Bhaja caves. For example, here we have a very nice battlefield uh, scene from the, uh, from the Sanchi stupa. This is Kushinagar and this is war over the, uh, the Buddha's rel uh, relics. Okay, so let's skip all the maze and plow and let us go to the chariot. Yes, part of the chariots. <laughs> so first of all, I, uh, uh, mm, I made a list from the Mahabharata, all the parts of the chariot we can find in the text. And <laughs> We don't have any description. What does it mean? We have only the name of them because they are simply scattered through the battlefield. After the, the each battle, scattered, and the bards are saying that this is here and this is here and this is destroyed. So we have only names. I divided them into. Um, um, three categories means courage and chasse and wheel. Here I try to, uh, to, to make some, some reconstruction how it can 
which part we can name on them. And then <clears throat> we have a carriage and we have a name like Adhishthana, Upastha, Nida, Bandhura or Vandhura, Upakarana, Upaskara, <clears throat> and Apaskara. So they are somehow or other connected with uh, a carriage. And I'm looking for something which will be peculiar or um, special for, uh, for Indian chariot. <clears throat> uh, so Adhishthana means simply a, a standing platform. Uh, this is a platform uh, uh, for the warrior. So it can be a whole carriage or, or only platform in the, um, uh, uh, in the Radha where uh, the warrior is standing. But we have two very, very interesting words which are connected also with carriage, Upastha and Nida. Especially Upastha, we have this in the Bhagavad Gita when Arjuna is frustrated in the end of the first chapter and he simply sit on the upastha of the chariot. Wow, when uh, you know something about the chariots in the ancient, uh, ancient world, we can't find any upastha or seat or bench in them. So what does it mean that Arjuna sit on the some Upastha. Upastha also means like a, a botox or genitals, especially for ladies, but in, uh, 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 in the chariot, it means some seat. Also nida means the same uh, seat or bench. So this is one thing which we want to find. Is it possible that Indian chariot have a bench or seat to sit in. Then we have a word uh, Bandura and Vandura in the dictionaries they are like separate, so they have separate meaning but from uh, my understanding and from the context of the Mahabharata I can find that they different only the, uh, of pronunciation so they are the same. And Bandura means ornate, beautiful and round. And very often it is connected with Dandaka. Dandaka means a standard on which uh, um, uh, some statue is uh, placed or it Dandaka, it can be also for umbrella. Uh, so I supposed that this Bandura and Vandura we can translate like a front of the chariot or, or dashboard. This thing, which is in the end of the shaft, or in yeah, the front front of the chariot, and we have also oh ornaments and our equipment, which is uh, which is in the chariot. That's quite obvious. So upastha, the seat. Ed Bandhura or Vandhura. It is it is quite peculiar, and we can try to find it on on some examples. Uh, now, chasse of the chariot. So we have also quite a lot of name. Uh, 
uh, isha is quite or dhur it's quite obvious this is a shaft or drawbar or pole by which to which are uh, connected yoke mm, maybe i will show it here so here we have a isha shaft and then we have a yoke uh, it is called in Sanskrit yoga, and then the isha is connected to axle, axle, and we have uh, uh, wheels chakra. Okay, so we have a isha or dhur. This is this shaft, and it is quite obvious. But also in the Mahabharata, we came across a word of parshni, and parshni means some shaft uh, still i can't uh, can't find how it work uh, but uh, it is a um, shaft which is needed for uh, uh, side horses when we have four horses in the chariot when we have uh, middle horses two middle horses and then two side horses and for them it is need need some uh, parshni means side shafts and we have also a parshni saradhi or uh, two men who are um, keeping these horses uh, like in, in the line. They, they appear very often. We have uh, Aksha. Uh, it is Axel, so it is quite obvious. Yoga, yoke. And Kubara, this is, this is a, a shaft uh, tip to which the yoke is attached. So this is also quite easy to understand. Yoktra is also easy, but we have a three terms. Uh, Anukarsha, Janha, and uh, Trivenu. Nobody knows what does it mean. They are somehow or other connected with Shase. So Anukarsha means bounding. So uh, my, um, in my opinion, it can be uh, mounting the shaft to the axle. So we have here the Isha shaft, and it should be somehow or other connected to the axle, <coughs> Aksha, uh, and it should be Anukarsha. Then we have a Jangha, so only literally this is some part of the bed or shin or pillar, but we have also a tree venue. Uh, literally, we can translate this like a tree bound or tree bambus. Uh, uh, but uh, it is some part of the bottom of the chariot and in the sculpture and artifacts I would like to, to try to find what does it mean Trivenu and Anukarsha, how we look the bottom of the, 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 the chariot. Uh, wheel, all terms are quite clear, we have a chakra, it means wheel, Nemi, often connected with the noise because when it is running so it give it is quite noisy then we have ara or spoke nabhika and pradhit is used only like like, like and for the uh, this is word from the vedic time because uh, in rigveda the terms for the chariot they are a little differ different than in mahabharata so this is Vedic term and it appears in Mahabharata only in the connection with the time chariot. Okay, so sources of information. 
we have uh, in summer a standard of ore. It came from the uh, graveyards of old pre-dynastic period. And it is not a chariot, but we can see uh, like some car which is used for the battle because the standard of war had have two sides and on which one is a piece shown and on other there is a battle and we have like a war cars which are drawing not by horses yet but by uh, onagers uh, there are four wheels so and the wheel is full here we have um, some compartment for spears and weapons. There are two men on uh, it and four, four onagers are drawing, uh, drawing it. Then we have a Harappa period and there appear quite a lot of toys connected with uh, uh, some cars which can be similar like prototype of, uh, um, of the chariot the wheels are full very often they have only two wheels like here this is um, very typical here i took the two photographs uh, from mohenjo-daro museum uh, yeah and some of them uh, they look like ekka cars typical for uh, india present day india and such a toys we also uh, find in um, mesopotamia so they are quite common. And uh, in 2018, uh, in Sinauli, they, there was big discovery. They discovered two, they call, uh, they call it chariots, but they can be uh, uh, simply carts. Uh, three remnants of the chariots, um, <clears throat> Now it is quite a big discussion if they were uh, pulled by horses or by bulls or can we call it chariot or this is a, um, uh, this is a cart. So this is quite a big discussion. I don't want to be involved in, uh, in this, but uh, uh, I visited the place where uh, it was uh, discovered. I met with uh, guys who uh, who was responsible for for the discoveries, and uh, also I visit the uh, Delhi Museum where the uh, this uh, re this remnants are kept now presently, and uh, I found few interesting um, features of this chariot, which can chariot or or car, which can help us to understand. Uh, some meaning of the Mahabharata words. For example, here we have very peculiar um, triangle uh, uh, in uh, uh, connected the shaft uh, to the wheels uh, on the bottom of the car. And such a triangle with uh, copper pipe doesn't appear in, in any other chariot from uh, which I could find. So 
as you remember, we have a name triv uh, term trivenu in the Mahabharata. So I can suggest that trivenu, these three boundings, can be uh, mean such uh, things in the bottom of the chariot. Uh, then we have also very strange uh, connection of the axle <clears throat> to the bottom. So it can be look like Anukarsha or bounding uh, uh, of um, the chariot. And also there is very peculiar thing. Here we have a, a picture of this. We have three pipes going up and the suggestion is that they can uh, be for the uh, mounting uh, umbrella or standard. And this is all, it could be very uh, also like a peculiar for uh, special for, for Indian cars. Uh, okay, uh, here we have example with the same age, uh, same age, bronze age, we discover from uh, Diamant uh, Bat Maharashtra, and obviously it was pulled by a ox, oxen. <clears throat> uh, but here, this uh, base is not uh, uh, in such detail, and, and this is only like a toy. So, so from Sinauli uh, chariot or car, we can find quite a lot of more information here. Very, very peculiar in, and nice is this uh, animal in the beginning. Uh, of the car, so we can say that they were quite sophisticated, not simple one. Assyrian reliefs, we have thousands really wonderful uh, materials and reliefs and uh, information about the Radhas uh, um, uh, uh, or um, chariots in uh, Neo-Assyrian. We can even say how each of the king, of the As uh, Assyrian king, uh, how they change the chariot, how many wheels, uh, uh, how big wheels were, how many horses were attached uh, to it. So norma norma uh, uh, normally we have like a or six or eight spoke in the wheel. Uh, we have two, three, or four horses, uh, and two to up to four people in the chariot. There is always archer, uh, driver, <clears throat> and uh, shield bearer. Sometimes there are two to protect from the both side of the archer. Uh, and also we have big arsenal of the weapon in the chariot. Here we have a two quiver, for example, axis. So here we can really, really know a lot about the chariot of Neo-Assyrian. Now a Kemenit, a Kemenit uh, type of chariot. Chariot, uh, we don't have many of them, but we have few seals and uh, one golden chariot find in uh, near the Oxus, Amudaria. Uh, this is in uh, old Bactria. <clears throat> and it is really, really special for us. This is finding from 6th century BC. And we have, we, I, I want to sh point you few peculiarities. For example, it, it have a seat from the beginning to the end of the 
chariot. So, so it could be possible that the seat was in the chariot. Another peculiarity is we have uh, <clears throat> four horses and not on one shaft, but we have two shafts connected with, uh, with the yoga. <clears throat> so maybe it is uh, our parsni from the Radha. Uh, we have also here some bombs, which are really, really interesting, but they, uh, maybe it is not a time because, uh, because they appear in the, uh, in the weapon of Krishna chakra. So from my perspective, this is quite interesting and uh, it appears only in the Achaemenid, uh, Achaemenic uh, reliefs and, and this, this ch uh, chariot. Uh, now let us take a look on Indian uh, chariots, how they look like in Indian sculpture from the Maurya to Kushana period. Here we have a Barhut stupa and very nicely curved chariot. We have four horses chariot. Uh, it have one yoga <coughs> and four guys are in the chariot and it have very nice umbrella <coughs> chatra. Uh, probably uh, connected somehow or other with the chariot. So I want to uh, show you this part for, for me, uh, such a carving of this, it, it can be a, what in Mahabharata is called a bandhura <clears throat> or this front of the, the chariot umbrella and spokes. Look on this, uh, how many spokes we have in the wheel. Uh, as I told you in, in uh, Assyrian, there was six up to eight spokes. Uh, also in, uh, in Persia, they have like eight max uh, spokes. And here we have, it is not, uh, um, yeah, wheel is not full, but we can assume that there is at least 21 spokes. So this is some peculiarity of, of Indian uh, chariot. Here, here we have a <clears throat> sun god chariot from the Gandhara period and from uh, Bodhgaya also. And also this Bandhura is very nicely presented and it is carved. So also uh, like a name of Bandhura means curving, it seems to fit properly. <clears throat> uh, here, Sanchi warrior, Sanchi, Sanchi warriors. Uh, in Sanchi, um, chariots appear in the wars and in, uh, in the processions. Uh, they mostly have uh, two horses and three men standing on, uh, on a chariot. Also, the spokes are quite many of them. <clears throat> uh, but in Sanchi, we can see also all perspective, all background 
what is going on around the, the chariot because chariot it is not only one piece and one guy who is standing on it it is like a, a small military army and uh, when we read in Mahabharata there are uh, chakra rakshas for example or guys who are protecting the wheels of the chariot then it's shastrapana in uh, means guy who is uh, giving weapons and uh, taking care of weapons and I mentioned already Parshni Sarathis, which are uh, <clears throat> like drivers which are supposed to drive extra horses. Uh, so here we can see one small man with some weapon and uh, uh, Chakra Raksha is always described like a uh, <clears throat> uh, like a, a small young boy uh, when he's guarding, for example, Yudhishthira, Skar, this is small boy. And sometimes uh, I found very nice, uh, um, uh, uh, nice example of, of, of him when he stopped Bhishma and everybody was amazed. Wow, such nice young uh, boy and, and he could uh, stop uh, Bhishma, no, Drona, Drona on the battlefield. And Drona, of course, killed him, <clears throat> but he was famous uh, like a chakra, chakra Raksha of Yudhishthira who stopped Drona. And um, Parshni Sarathi, we have here the cavalry man who is near the um, horses because I don't know where these two Parshni Sarathis could be present in the chariot. Probably it is impossible. So we have one charioteers and this Parshni Sarathis who uh, take care of these two other horses, they could be on the horse, but on the backside of the chariot. Uh, okay. Mm, I think we are running with the time, then maybe few, yeah. one word about the shape of the standard. Everybody, so in pop culture, it is all, all, always shown like uh, um, simply uh, um, some materials with the, uh, with the mark on this, but from the text, I took quite a lot of terms of this and from the information from the Egyptian and Sumerian, we can say that it is like here shaft, uh, means Yashti uh, or Dandaka with emblem on it. Emblem means Bharhut. We have very nice example of Garuda. Uh, uh, first, uh, uh, first carving of Garuda and Garuda Dhvaja. <clears throat> uh, and it can have also a flag but without marks on this, uh, it, and it is then called Pataka, and whole the group of army, uh, like <clears throat> it was a combat of unit, was identified with, the, uh, with such a Dvaja, for example, Garuda Dvaja on Krishna's uh, chariot, or Garuda Dvaja, uh, or uh, monkey Dvaja on Arjuna chariot. And we have here the names. Okay, so thank you for listening. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> thank maybe you. I will stop show sharing the screen. Mm -hmm.
Thank you, Kula Shekhar Prabhu. I must say, now, now I know more about ancient chariots than I will ever, that I will ever need to know, <laughs> I think. But it's good that all of this is happening. Um, this wiki you're doing is in Polish only, in English only, or in both? Both, both. We want to prepare it in Polish and in English. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, we have a, a, a comment here from Vrindapati uh, that chakras and spears like Trishula are still used by Sikh warriors. Yes, yes, but Sikh warriors start to use it from 18th century. <laughs> <laughs> for, for from my perspective, these chakras uh, of uh, they wear it uh, on the necks and on the turbans, and it was like more protective sometimes uh, from cutting, and yeah, they throwing also. But uh, from my perspective, they simply want to have a weapon from the ancient time and involve it like an another time. It can. Uh, Probably this is quite a new kind of weapon. Uh, I have quite many other examples how it could like uh, look like, uh, and for sure, uh, um, it was quite different. Chakra was quite different than this used by uh, Sikhs. To me, uh, what what always strikes me about any kind of research in ancient things. Uh, whether archaeological or textual, is um, is less. What strikes me less than how much we know from what we can see is how much we don't know and how much has been forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and in relatively short time, I mean to say, in one sense you know, in a couple of thousand years, uh, so much gets completely lost. And you can go much more recent than that uh, to another sort of example that uh, Rajali Lavati was saying, maybe she's with us, yes, she's with us today, because she studied uh, the uh, so-called Spanish flu in the uh, early 20th century, nine, 1917, or what it was. And uh, she can verify this, that very quickly after this really terrible pandemic, practically it was forgotten. There were no records kept, hardly. Uh, people wanted to just forget about it. <laughs> and yeah. Rajali Lavati, you want to say something? Yeah, you said it, Guru Maharaj. Um, yes, this was the case. They wanted to forget it because there was war and uh, this was connected to the war. And um, when this all finished, um, people in general, society, want to forget about the flu. Mm -hmm. And in first place, they want to forget about the war also. But the flu, of course. So... Uh, we don't get as, as historians many uh, sources uh, from the Spanish flu. Even the, uh, the um, doctors, the physicians, 
they didn't want to write about it because they didn't know yet about the virus. Virus was uh, found in 1933. So they didn't know what illness was that. And uh, thinking that medicine is very proud, uh, um, science, they just didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, maybe that can be generalized uh, because you know it's about some disaster and so with the Mahabharata war, that was a disaster. It was, you know, however many people were killed, uh, it's said that literally hundreds of millions, I think. So that's something that actually when it's over, you really do want to forget about, isn't it? And therefore, uh, it's not like after the Mahabharata war, people said, oh, well, let's collect together uh, all these uh, various artifacts and let's build a museum, you know. <laughs> no, they just want to forget about it. Because it's so terrible, it's uh, so traumatic. And then we come two, three, four thousand years later, oh, we're, we want to find out what was going on. And they were thinking, we want to forget about what was going on. <laughs> 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 anyway, very good. Thank you for that. Thank you. All the best for the project. Oh, I had a sort of, uh, from the perspective of a translator, because um, you're working as a team, I guess you need to do a lot of uh, uh, comparing with each other for particular expressions, because the Mahabharata is full of uh, sort of standard expressions for all sorts of things. So to keep consistent, you're, you're, you're working together in that respect? Um, yes, yes, of course. Uh, we, are, we have a meeting every, every, two, uh, every two weeks uh, together and discuss uh, and to read our translations together and, and some uh, strange for us or difficult uh, chapters yes. oh. and also we prepare some help some translation on uh, it is a website on which we are translating and it help us and we are giving a, a, a building a dictionary simultaneously with our mm -hmm. translation to everybody know how I translated this for us and uh, somebody else translate another for us but also we decided that we want to keep our uh, own way of translation so they will be keep little your different own style yes yes every, every each of us have a special style for example i am translating like a, in poetic style not maybe not poetic but at least i am keeping in the shloka style so eight uh, eight syllabs in each uh, in, in in each verse and their rhythmic translation uh, oh. and i'm doing this and przemek szczurek is doing this from warsaw university and other are translating in prose and mm. uh, yeah so so the translation will be different, uh, but also the Mahabharata is sometimes very different. So, so uh, yeah. each chapter, sometimes it is really boring. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it is wonderful. You read this like, wow. So yeah. 
I don't want, uh, during my translation, I don't want also to lose this. Uh, I, I Sometimes when it is boring and it is uh, sometimes very bad language in this way that, that language is very, it is not like a Bhagavata Purana, which is really always very high, high uh, language. Here is very, very simple. And so I also translate this like a, in simple way. And sometimes it can be boring. <laughs> huh. Do you, um, do you make any, um, reference to, or do you look at Bibek Debroy's translation, the uh, English, his English translation of the critical edition? Uh, yes, sometimes, uh, sometimes when I uh, came across some difficult uh, uh, difficulties with the translation, when I go to other translation, uh, I like Ganguly's translation. Oh. <laughs> Old Ganguly translation is really, really Old, nice. Yeah. Old okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've been reading Bibek Debroy's translation gradually. Just I'm in the Adi Parvan still, but I like it. Anyway, great. Okay, Mahabharata. <laughs> Big Thank world. you. <laughs> Thank you, and uh, greetings to Kamyaka and family. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, there's a question from Usha Mataji. Um, wonderful and hugely inspiring. Is it possible to have access to any updates on the project to follow up our interest uh, as it progresses? Fascinating stuff. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> oh, thank you, Sham, <laughs> for this word. Uh, of course, um, when website will be ready and we start uh, Viki, Mahabharata Viki, uh, I al already can invite you all to participate in the, in the project and help us uh, with it. And yeah, I, I can inform you. <laughs> And uh, Chetan is asking, um, just curious if you're considering bringing out details about women in Mahabharata. I think, I think there's so many scholars who have done that in English. Um, so... This is quite interesting topic, and for sure we want to uh, to, to introduce this to Mahabharata Viki later, uh, because we are translating only one third of uh, the Mahabharata, so we want to apply for another project <laughs> to translate all the text, and then we want also to add other topics to our zero uh, zero book, <laughs> so mm -hmm. and to uh, to to the Mahabharata. So I. Uh, I show you only what I already done, yeah. and then we want to add to 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 this and woman for for sure. This is nice topic and should be, and all sexuality in in the Mahabharata. And this is <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's a lot of it. <laughs> There's a lot of reproduction in the Mahabharata. <laughs> Good. Okay. Thank you. So, um, 
Well, the time is flying by, my goodness. I was going to ask Odarya Chandrika if you wanted to speak, but now there's uh, only, what do we have, uh, 15 minutes. I don't think that's enough for you, is it? Um, it will be enough time, but it's the whole different topic, what we were uh, be into it now. It's, it's, uh, I'm so amazed by what was presented, and now I'm just off to need to switch. Uh, <laughs> That would be rasa basa. Huh? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. Um, well then, um, I I can get into Chaitanya Charitamrita, but again, it's fifteen minutes. But why not? What we can do is first of all see if um, anyone did their homework. <laughs> it's always an embarrassing question. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Dira Lalita has always done her homework. <clears throat> Do you want to say something about what you read? <laughs> well, I... Uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Uh, after this uh, presentation, uh, my little mind mapping may come across quite primitive. <laughs> I may come across like very like uh, centuries BC. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, what can I do? That's my level. And uh, I'd like to um, share a screen. I did make a little mind mapping. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not sophisticated. It's very uh, sort of, if that's my mind on, on the paper, it's very worrying. <laughs> but uh, it's good to see <laughs> so I can improve. Um, so um, how can I share the screen? Well, there's uh, the button on the bottom that's green button says share screen. And then you find uh, the screen on your own, you select. And you have to find which uh, particular thing you want to show. You select that, and then there's a button again. There, very good. Can you see it? Yes, very good. It's a, a quite scribbly, but what can I do? That's my um, handwriting. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> so uh, um, I have read um, a homework, and I have read a, um, 120 and 121 verse, but this is a very simple uh, of my understanding of uh, verse 120 Um I focus more on my understanding. I hope I didn't uh, misunderstood the verse. Um, where it says here that the Mayavada um, philosophy has taken the significant living entities to be the Lord, the Supreme. And uh, that's covering the glory and the supremacy of the absolute truth with monism. Um, I just focus on two things. One is living entities not equal to Lord, uh, which says on there. And, uh, and then I wrote a few things about why uh, living entities are not equal to the Lord because of four defects, which are um, for defects of living entity, 
which are explained in Bhagavad Gita introduction, Bhagavad Gita in different chapters, and Srimad Bhagavatam, that I didn't want to list it all in. Um, and then uh, carrying on from the purport of Srila Prabhupada, um, that um, a living entity is a, a my, it belongs to marginal energy to Tasta Shakti, which can also be found, I think, in Bhagavad Gita and in Srimad Bhagavatam, the explanation of uh, uh, marginal energy. And again, all of these listed here are from the purport of Srila Prabhupada of the same verse. And on the left hand side is a little. Um, um, a proof to uh, Marvat philosophy <laughs> for my humble self. Um, I really uh, don't have any realization of it, but uh, um, I found- uh, Which part Which part are you pointing to? I'm pointing now to the left-hand side part, which says that Krishna equals a person. Okay. So which means I've understood- so top, yeah. top left? Yes, top left. Uh, that Krishna is a person. Um, so, um, referring to excuse me, you can you can point your mouse pointer so we can actually we can see your mouse pointer. Yeah, that, like this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you can see it. Okay. So he, here, um, I have uh, read the uh, um, the introduction into the um, Madhulila seven chapter, which is Madhulila seventeen chapter, uh, where. Um, is explained that Lord Chaitanya, uh, th that particular verse is quoted there. Um, I think that was quoted by Baba Jabhatacharya, who has accompanied Lord Chaitanya on his travels to Vrindavan. And that verse that confirms that Supreme Personality of Godhead has the form of Satyananda Vigraha is um, quoted from Bhavarta Deepika commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam. I mean, I didn't even know that this uh, a type of commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam existed. I just found it. Uh, as Lakshman told me to read this 17th chapter, so I found this verse that confirms that Krishna is a person. And also, um, where is uh, the, the verse, the verse 80 as well, in, in the same um, chapter, confirms that. And the last one in the um, Bhagavad Gita, 7-7, Ashila Prabhupada's purport that he quotes Sri Svartara Upanishad, um, confirming that uh, Krishna is a person. It is a very long, um, a long writing. Um, Just a question you said uh, on the top left. Madhya chapter 17, yes. verse, verse 96. I'm looking at that and it doesn't seem to relate to what you're saying. Maybe it's another number. Just a second. Uh, 96. Hmm. 
it, 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 it is 80. I beg your pardon. It is 80, but there is also, oh, right. I beg your pardon. This 96, um, um, Ashila Prabhupada, in the purport of that verse, quotes Bhagavad Gita 1515, where uh -huh. he says, that, yes, that Krishna says himself. Oh. Okay. They're the yeah. compiler of, of Vedanta. Right. Uh, he okay. confirms that he is the yeah. uh -huh. Um I, 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 I was surprised. I, I, was, I, I was speculating about one question that I would like to ask you. Um, mm. When Lord Chaitanya traveled down to Vrindavan, he came to Varanasi of Benares, Okashi, <laughs> and he asked a question. Um, no, he asked a question. He stayed with Tapana Mishra, if I understood it properly. And then um, I was just wondering, because uh, Chandra Shekhar was um, lamenting, saying that there are all Mayavadi philosophy, philosophers there, and it's very hard to live in that area. Um, <laughs> I was just wondering, did Lord Chaitanya, out of his love, came to convert um, is his name Prakashananda Saraswati? Yes, Prakashananda. Yeah, into yeah, Vaishnav, so that Tapa Mishra and Chandra Shekhar could uh, um, have some good association. Yes. <laughs> oh, we could take it that way, I suppose. Um, Varanas roots to and from Rindavan, following the course of the Ganga, was the natural way to go from Bengal uh, to Vrindavan. And so it was uh, practically unavoidable to go through Varanasi. But yes, we might well ask, what were they doing there uh, before Lord Chaitanya came? Why, why were they there? Um, of course, Varanasi was and still is very much a center of uh, orthodox uh, Vedic uh, learning. And um, it's possible they were there for that reason. Srila Jiva Goswami spent some time also in Varanasi before he went to Vrindavan. He, he studied in Banaras because that was the place everybody if you wanted to study Shastra, you went to Varanasi. Or um, for Nyaya or Navanyaya, you went to, uh, to Navadip. This, these were centers of learning. So, yeah, it seems that was what was happening. But it's, it's, that's also a mystery. And talk about forgetting over time. Um, you know, where is the evidence, uh, where is the um, independent evidence for Prakashananda's having become a follower of Lord Chaitanya or having been somehow changed in his um, philosophy? Did he write something afterwards saying, oh, now I understand <laughs> what is actually... Vedanta, it's about 
understanding the Supreme Personality of God at Bhagavan. It's not this impersonal Brahman. Uh, is there anything like that or from his followers? Maybe there's something there somewhere deep in some library uh, that nobody knows about. It's possible. Things get discovered. I may have mentioned uh, the poetry, uh, what's his name? I don't remember now, but 1911. Um, all the dramas mm, of, uh, why am I forgetting his name, short name, uh, were rediscovered in some library or some temple in South India from, you know, several centuries before. Mm -hmm. So we can still hope that something gets discovered. Mm -hmm. The problem then is always determining authenticity. Uh, someone comes up with some text and says, oh, I have something from Prakashananda. Then we have to be skeptical. Was it actually, or is it somebody's, you know, forgery or whatever? We have that also. <clears throat> Krishna, Krishna. That's what, that's what scholars spend their time struggling with. Sorry, yes, go ahead. Did I get some advice, Guru Maharaj? Uh, on my attempt, what direction could I go? Uh, if I what direction? Yeah, if, if I analyze the verse, verse, I am actually not um, that well versed into connecting the verse yeah. from different Shastra. So I would really like to um, sort of ponder deeper, but I'm not sure what the way is. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's no... I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. I've just been uh, started to work on something. I came across a, <clears throat> I don't know if I can show this. Uh, I came across one computer program. Our time is up now, but maybe just to show and then <clears throat> for next time we can do more about it. One second, here we go. Share screen, okay. Share. Uh, but it's not showing anything. That's because I don't know why it is. Stop share and let's try it again. Uh, 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 Let's try this one. No, also doesn't work. Maybe it's showing Guru Maharaj. It's showing the uh, oh, uh, Gita instructions and all this like a oh, orange and yellow buttons. Okay, I don't see it uh, on my screen, but yeah, so you get some idea what I'm trying to do, <laughs> um, and. Uh, there's lots that can be said. Uh, again, I've, I've taken verse 120 from verse chapter 7, made a few points from Prabhupada's purport, uh, or just summarized a few points from the purport. And then I wanted to expand. Prabhupada just mentions uh, this sutra, uh, second sutra from Vedanta Sutras. And then I wanted to expand on that. 
and I found a translation and commentary translation of Ramanujacharya. Um, and of course, the Bhagavatam itself is, especially the first verse, a commentary on that verse, um, on that sutra. And it goes on and on. You can connect, you can go on making endless connections, really. Um, it kind of depends what it is you want to focus on. Uh, you, you did fine by saying, I want to focus on Krishna being a person. That's very nice because, yeah, that's, that's very much important. That's a point. Um, so you can play around. Everyone, you can all play around with mind maps, mind mapping and uh, see what you come up with. I just find it's a good way to really try to, you know, look more carefully. What is it that uh, is being said? And why is it being said? Why, why, what is Prabhupada emphasizing? Why is he emphasizing? What does he want us to understand? Um, and, and, um, what can I do someone else? That's kind of the main, learn something and teach it to others. Best way to learn is to teach. That's how we, how we do it. So on that happy note, <laughs> Yeah, today we went uh, a bit um, on, a, on a side journey into the Mahabharata for a change. That's nice, some variety. This may get you thinking of Mahabharata and uh, of which the Bhagavatam, I've written an article on this. Um, the Bhagavatam is a kind of commentary on the Mahabharata. It's one way of reading the Bhagavatam. Maybe we can talk about that sometime. So um, we, we generally end at this time, so I think we can proceed. And many thanks to our translators. Dadyesha has been patiently listening and repeating and uh, who else has been trans? Did we get a Polish translation this time? Not today. Only only Dietje is translating the Spanish today. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, and um, what can I say? But thank you all again, and I wish you all the best for this coming week, and I wish you all to stay well, keep safe, chant Hare Krishna, be happy. Why not be happy? There's so much misery in the world. Why not just instead be happy? Be a revolutionary and be happy <laughs> by chanting Hare Krishna. And in this way, um, be a beacon, be a light for others. Yes, okay. Yes, thank you all so much. 
Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Ananta Koti Vaishnavarvinda ki jai, Gaur Prema Nande. Hari Bo Hari Thank Krishna. you very much, Guru Maharaj. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. Hari Krishna. Hari Bo Hari Bo Hari Krishna. Hari Krishna. Yeah, Hari Krishna. All glorious assembled, dear God, brothers and sisters. Hari Bo. Hari Bo. Hari Krishna, everybody.